pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for knowing where we are and being with us wherever we are, Lord God, whether it's in the fire or the desert, the harvest, Lord God, or the battle. And we know, Lord, that you will equip us and give us what we need, Jesus, to make it through. But Father, help us to rely on you through it all and help us to remember to bring you praise, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, as much as we hate to see summer end, it's kind of nice to get back to the routine, isn't it? Whether it's kids back in school or you finally back to work or whatever's going on, uh, as well as back to two services. Just comfortable back in, our, back, back in our regular routine. I'm so glad you figured out that you were supposed to be here at 9 o'clock. In about 15 minutes, there may be some friends walking in who got used to 9.30. And if that's the case, just, you know, move to the side, fill them in on what's happened up to this point. That'd be great. If this is your first time here today, we're glad to welcome you. And as you're leaving today, we've got a gift on the table as you're walking out. Uh, it's a book by Andy Stanley called How Good is Good Enough? Make sure you take one of those. It, it helps you get an idea of exactly how to have a relationship with God. We also have some Bibles back there. If you don't have your own Bible, one that is written in uh, good, clear, plain English, uh, please feel free to take one of those and, and read it and use it. Uh, it's really important. On the inside of your folder today, you're going to find some things. This is probably one of the more important folders of the year. Okay, if you're not, if you're going to read one in the 52 weeks of the year, this is the one to read. So make sure you take the time to go through. Why do I say that? Uh, the announcements on the front give you all the dates of everything starting up in the next couple of weeks. So it gives you an idea of. When is junior high starting? Where are we meeting? There's still some people thinking church is moving to the warehouse. We're not moving to the warehouse. We're meeting here. So uh, that will fill you in on that. We also have a, an update of some of the, the location of the warehouse where student ministries will be happening, some of our journey groups. Just a lot of things in there that you'll want to read. And there's your card, as always. Would you go ahead and take that? Put your name on it whatever other, other information you want. At the end, I'm going to be asking you a question, and I'm going to want to know uh, your response to that question. We will hold on to the journey group folder toward the end and talk about that uh, when we're doing our announcements. Are you familiar with the Beloit Mindset List? Have you heard of this before? There's a, a little college in Beloit, Wisconsin, ironically called Beloit College, and they put out every year a list of the mindset of the incoming freshman. What, what's, what is the world of the incoming freshman? I believe that would be a, a person born in about 1993. And they come up with a long list. I know some of you are laughing, like, really? They're adults? Yes, they are. They really are. Uh, some of the things that are true of them. There has always been an, an Internet ramp onto the information highway. They've always had that. Some of us remember paper, pencils, not them. They're, they're beyond that. Uh, states and parents have always required and recommended the wearing of a bike helmet. Any of the rest of you remember when we used to ride recklessly? No helmet. Ooh, I can't believe we did that. They've grown up with websites and cell phones, and there are adult experts that have fretted about their alleged deficits of empathy and concentration because of that. How about the phrase, don't touch that dial? Do you remember that phrase? When they hear that phrase, they go, huh? 
<laughs> what the hell? What are you talking about? Amazon has never just been a South American river for them. That, that's, that's a big one for them. You refer to LBJ, they might assume you're talking about LeBron James. There has never been an official communist party in Russia in their lifetime. Imagine that. Um, Arnold Palmer has always been a drink. Sears has never sold anything out of a big book that could also serve as a doorstop. They've always wanted to be like Shaq or Kobe. They would say, Michael who? Can you imagine that? No, Michael, unbelievable. Uh, They've often broken up with their significant others by way of texting Facebook or MySpace, and even that's out of date. But anyway, Major League Baseball has had... Has had has never had fewer than three divisions and never lacked a wild card in the entry of the playoffs. Just gives you a whole idea, a whole lot of the idea of the way uh, this group of kids thinks as they enter as they enter their college experience. I thought with the kickoff of the school year, it would be a good idea to begin this morning by spending some time praying for our students, for our teachers parents, everybody that's involved in in the year that's coming up. So here's the way we're going to work this, okay? We're going to start kind of smallest and go up. If you're a student, you're a preschooler, kindergartner, somewhere in elementary, junior high, high school, college, graduate work, postgraduate, whatever, you go ahead and stand up right now and stay standing, all right? If you're a student, stand up. Wow. Hi, guys. All right. How about if you have anything to do with the education process? You're a teacher. You're an administrator. You're a secretary. You're a janitor. You're a coach. You you, uh, drive by the school and wave. You're really good about going 20 miles an hour when you drive by the school. Any of that stuff, go ahead and stand up if you have anything associated with school. And if you're homeschooling, you're educating your children that way, stand up. All right. Let's just kind of give you a sample of everybody that's involved in education in one way or another. Go ahead and stay standing, and we're going to talk to God right now. Father, as this year begins, uh, we want to dedicate it to you. We really, we want to give it back to you. We want this to be a year where, where our kids uh, come out of the year and they're smarter. And that just doesn't mean that they've learned more facts. That means they've grown in some wisdom and understanding. That they've not just learned facts, but that they really understand how to apply the facts to real life. And God, I pray that you will help them to grow in that way. I pray for them uh, socially as they interact with, with friends. That they'll have friends. That they'll get good friends. That they'll have friends that are great influences. And that if they have friends that aren't great influences, they'll dump them. <laughs> they'll move in a different direction. Uh, God, I pray that for their friendships, that those relationships would be strong. I pray for them as they're just developing their attitudes toward, toward life, toward people that are in authority over them, uh, that they will develop a spirit that is the spirit of a Christ follower, one that obeys, one that is respectful, uh, one that, that gives honor where honor is due. God, for everybody else that's involved in the, in the leading of this process, whether it's teaching or, or cleaning a floor or, or coaching a group of kids, what, whatever that involvement may be, uh, it's only August. May is a long time away. And we start the beginning of a school year and we have great optimism about what's going to happen, what we're going to do this year, and it seems like that optimism within a month gets kind of tamped down by reality. I pray that you would keep these people optimistic 
about the role that you've given them in life. Not just to teach a subject, but to really teach people, to help people become better people. God, I pray for for our teachers as they have the responsibility of conveying values and at the same time can't say anything about the God who, who is in charge of the values. Lord, we wonder sometimes how in the world we can live in a country that scratches its head and wonders what's wrong and at the same time wants to remove God from every aspect of public life. I pray that you will help them and help our students to be the salt and light in the world that other people will look at, other people will see, and because of that, they will be drawn to Jesus Christ. Let this be a great year. Let's be a great year for the school we're meeting in right now. We're so grateful uh, for for Chad Uphoff, for Mike Schrader, and for the others that let us use this facility. I pray that we would treat it in a way that is honoring, that would cause people to look and say, hey, that church, uh, they really care about us and our stuff. Give us that kind of spirit, we pray. God bless this year. In Jesus' name, amen. I imagine you're familiar with the concept of a, of a watermark. You've seen a piece of paper that's got kind of an image in it. Something's going on there, an impression. You can't maybe necessarily tell what it is right off the, right off the bat. You hold it up to light and there you can see it. And maybe a, a business or a company has put their logo kind of as a stain in that water in that paper where it can be where it can be seen. But the words are the things that are seen. But there's something going on in the background. I've been thinking a lot about that word uh, watermark this past week, and, and especially in light of what we did last week. That there were a bunch of people that said, I want everyone else to know that I'm a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So we're going to take a, a little bit different approach than we do normally uh, to this particular topic. A lot of times we'll talk about baptism and then say, hey, anybody want to get baptized? Uh, next week, we're going to go, go ahead with the baptisms. This week, instead, we've had a chance to see the baptisms. We've had the chance to see people walk down in that water. And I thought, for the sake, first of all, of people who were there and have never experienced baptism the way that we do it, it would help to just say, this is why we do what we do. But here's the other reason we're doing this today. Because there are some of you that have been baptized, and if you were asked right now, so what's that all about? You kind of go, well, uh, you, you, you get wet. You know, you, you, you kind of you'd stumble a little bit. You'd wonder, what do I say? How do I help people to understand this thing that we do? Because honestly, when we used to do it in a church building, it felt all ceremonial and cool and whatever. You, you take this thing out to the park. And, and, and I know, I know some of you inside, you're kind of going, I wonder if anybody will be watching what we're doing here today. It's a little bit more nerve-wracking, isn't it? When all of a sudden we take it out. But that's what it was originally intended to be, wasn't it? That the world would know about our relationship with God. So here we are in this river baptizing people. It just seemed like a great idea today to go ahead and once again say, what is this watermark all about? What, what is this thing that Jesus has asked us to do? So <clears throat> I'm going to get you moving here a little bit again. We're going to be talking this morning about Believer's baptism by immersion. And wanted to kind of get an idea. We're going to gauge the room a little bit. So I want to run a little bit of a survey and ask you, when did you get baptized? When did you get baptized by immersion? 
For me, I was somewhere, I'm still trying to figure out, seven or eight, somewhere in that range. I know I was, I know I was young. Remember the night very clearly. I remember that the lady before me, her name was Mary Kurzak, sweet older lady in our church, and when she got baptized, she kicked her leg up out of the water. Hard to forget that. You know, that's burned in my mind. I remember that night. Uh, very clearly. I remember how important it was that to me, I was telling everybody, I love Jesus and I want to be used for him any way that I can be used. So help me with this. You're going to just, we're going to have you stand. I mean, it's nine o'clock again, folks. I, I can see some of you are going, man, I did not get enough Starbucks before I came here. So we'll do a little aerobics instead. If you were baptized as a child, and by child, we're basically saying, you define it. If you were baptized as a child, go ahead and stand up. If you were baptized as a child. Now, don't, yeah, stay there. Look, look around the room. Because we're going to see the percentages and how this works, okay? Go ahead and sit down. If you were baptized, now some of you are going, oh, you didn't tell me you are going to put that up there. If you were baptized as a teen, I don't know of a teen that considers himself a child, but if you were baptized as a teen, go ahead and stand up. If you stood up as a child, go ahead and do it again. That's okay. We didn't warn you where this was going. It's interesting. The child was very one-sided. You guys spattered much better. Good job. Okay, have a seat. This one I'm really intrigued to see. If you were baptized as a college-age student, I know, you're going, oh, but there are teens in there. That's okay. 18 to 22-ish. I know some of you, you're around 40, and that's okay. But 18 to 22-ish, that college range, stand up if you were baptized during that stage. Now, now, stay here for a second, because Dana loves making it. You, you just stay in the rest of the service. You just stay. No, okay. <laughs> Interesting that this is, you know, college is a stage more. We, we have a we have a family friend who last year uh, at college at ISU accepted Christ and was baptized. Really formative time. It's it's incredible. We'd love it'd be fun to just hear your stories right now. Have a seat. Um, now, OK, we're going to go really broad here. This one's like twenty five to thirty five. Baptized at 25 to 35. Some of you are going, shoot, now i got to admit I'm almost 35. Oh, man. This is really, I mean, are you seeing the pattern here? It really has not diminished tremendously. Uh, it, it has gone down from child, obviously, but, but still a pretty good, pretty good representation of 25 to 35. Have a seat. We're going uh, 35 to 50. about the same as the last gang. Little, little smaller, but not by much. All right, have a seat. And then 50 plus. Oh, cool. So Mike has to admit, sorry, Mike was <laughs> baptized last week. <laughs> okay, have a seat. So that, that's cool. Uh, nice representation from all ranges. It's kind of fun when you do that. I had some assumptions that like three quarters would be child. That, that, it would, that it would be a little bit more varied. So it gives you an idea of the ranges. You can only begin to think of the, the different challenges at those different age ranges. That as a child, we might be concerned, do they really understand what they're doing? You know, do they really understand what's going on? If you're, if you're 45, 50, you might be having to put yourself in a spot of saying, 
wow, I think a lot of people probably thought I had my spiritual act together by now. And now I'm having to admit, what, that I, that I didn't understand this or something? So each age range has some, some interesting challenges along the way uh, that they have to deal with in declaring their devotion to Jesus. We teach, we believe in this concept, believers baptism by immersion and those three words are are incredibly meaningful the middle one is the one of course that's that's the action baptism and when we teach our baptism seminar we're clear to say baptism isn't only a christian thing lots of groups baptize more often than not it's some sort of representation of of cleansing and of washing so uh lots of groups baptize we baptize by immersion immersion means Go ahead and dunk that person underwater. And we'll talk a little bit about why we do that, but one of the reasons has to do with the Greek word for immersion, which is baptizo, and it means to dip or to wash. And we've talked about this in the past, that when, when you look at Greek documents from the time of the Bible, they'll talk about baptizoing dishes. Now, what would you do if you were going to baptize, if you were going to wash your dish? Would you, would you flick some water on it? No, you'd go ahead and dunk it under some water and rinse it off. So, uh, that's part of the reason, as well as some of the images that we choose to do immersion. But a huge piece, a huge piece that is really important is that first word, believer's baptism. And we believe as we look at the Bible, and that's, we say, we're trying to follow the Bible as much as we can. We're trying to go along with, what does the Bible say? What's the picture the Bible presents? The picture that we see presented over and over and over when it comes to baptism in the Bible is a person believes and then is baptized. And in fact, if you look in the book of Acts, it was very often they believed and they were immediately baptized. I mean, there wasn't a lot of lag time between the one and the other. They believed they were baptized. It happened happened right away. Uh, We believe that a person should have come to a place of faith in Christ, that they've decided, I'm a devoted Christ follower. And it's when we come to that decision that then we go ahead and declare that decision to other people as a believer. So this is the basic concept that we teach, believer's baptism by immersion. And just run down a, a history of baptism. As you look in the Bible, there is really no expression of baptism in the Old Testament. We don't have anybody baptizing the Old Testament. Water is significant in the Old Testament. The whole world is drowned in a flood. We have Naaman who goes down into the water and is rinses in the water and is cured of his leprosy. So there, there are stories of water in the Old Testament, certainly, but not of a, a, a rite or a process of, of baptism. Really, as we come into the New Testament, it starts ironically with John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer. John, you remember, is Jesus' cousin, born a few months before him, the forerunner to the Messiah, and he goes out into the wilderness and he starts baptizing people. If you read Luke 3, it talks about the idea that John was out there baptizing people, and he says, confess your sins and be baptized. Now, he goes on to say, my baptism is going to be different than the baptism to come. I'm baptizing with water. But he says when Jesus comes, he will baptize with the Spirit and with fire. So he he delineates the baptisms. He's saying there's something transitional going on here. My baptism is going to be a little different than the baptism that is about to come. 
Interestingly, I just I needed to check again just to be positive on this. Uh, not this. I know this. Jesus is baptized by John. I remember that part. It's the next part. Uh, Jesus does no recorded baptizing. Kind of interesting. He's baptized, but you can scan the Bible and you're, you don't find someone that was baptized by Jesus. I could give all kinds of theories on that. Probably the biggest one. Imagine being baptized. I mean, we go through, you can be baptized by Dennis, Justin, your father. I want to be baptized by Jesus so that for the rest of my life I can tell everybody I was baptized. I don't know why Jesus didn't do baptizing. Maybe he did and it just wasn't recorded. That's a possibility too. We can't look at an argument from silence and assume that he never did, but there are none recorded in the Bible. Um, It's commanded in the Great Commission. Jesus is leaving the world. All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go into all the world baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey whatever I've commanded, and I will be with you to the end of the age. He says it. He declares it. This is your charge. I want you to be baptizing people. I want you to be bringing them to me. And then really picks up steam in the book of Acts. I mean, the church is formed, and people are being baptized like crazy, sometimes uh, literally thousands in a day. People are being baptized as they repent of their sins and go ahead and align with Jesus by being baptized. So what is baptism? Why, what is this all about? I think first and most important, it's an act of obedience. Here's where we are again. We believe the Bible. We try to follow the Bible. If Jesus says to do something, a Christ follower, just by definition, think about it, a Christ follower doesn't say, oh, maybe that one's optional. You don't, you don't, you're on a team, the coach is saying, do this. You don't say, well, maybe. You do it or you're going to be chewed out when you come off the field, right? When Jesus says, do something, we say, yes, sir, I'll do what you ask. So it's an act of obedience. If he wanted us to be baptized, we're going to be baptized. Here's the second. It's a public expression of a personal experience. A lot of people talk about their salvation as a, it was a personal experience. And in fact, they may even struggle with, I don't want to get baptized because that's a public thing. And I want this, I want this to be a just Jesus and me thing. I, I, want, I want it to be between him and me. I think Jesus fully understood we need some public accountability. We, we need other people seeing the watermark, knowing. You're a per, I remember the day you declared you're a Christ follower. Live like it. We use this as an example a lot of times, a wedding ring. The day I received the ring didn't make me married. If I took it right off right now, I wouldn't be available. It's a public expression of a, of a personal experience. I'm married to my wife and I get to let others know by way of this mark. And it's a visible declaration of devotion to Christ, which honestly, to some degree, does not have the same impact now as it used to. When you have a Roman emperor who's saying, call me Lord. I I suspect throughout the generations we've had American politicians who would love that concept. There have probably been a few that thought, I should just change my name to Your Majesty and and we'd all rise. Uh, But he was serious. Call me Lord. Call me Curious. Call me Master. And... Christians were in a little bit of a spot because who were they supposed to call Lord? Jesus. And when you were baptized, very publicly, 
you were declaring your full devotion, your allegiance to someone other than the emperor. You were declaring your allegiance to Jesus. It was a visible expression, a declaration of devotion to Christ. I mean, you couldn't kind of go, yeah, well, I did it because I need to make my mom happy. (laughs) No, people knew. You did this for a reason. You did this to say, I belong to Jesus. One of the areas that people get kind of hung up is the views of baptism. Because, let's face it, even as I talk about this today, some of you are saying, yeah, I was baptized as a baby. Some of you are saying, well, I wasn't baptized by way of immersion. And honestly, the Christian church has had lots of different views and opinions on this. And I think when we get to heaven, there is going to be a class. And when Jesus is going to say, okay, we're just going to straighten this all out now so you understand what's going on. You got it? Here we go. But let me give you the three basic views. These are words that you can use at lunch, and you'll look really smart with your friends. The first is the sacramental view. This would be primarily the Catholic Church, but other churches teach it as well. And believe me, right now I'm giving gross oversimplifications of these views, okay? The sacramental view is this, that the water is able to wash away your sins. The water, in and of itself, has the power to wash away your sins, In some teachings, in some religions, it would be, it washes away original sin. For others, they believe, even as an adult, as you go under the water, your sin is washed away by the water of baptism. We believe the Bible teaches your sin is washed away by the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that takes care of our sin issue. So that's a sacramental view. The second view would be a covenantal view. Different than sacramental, this would be taught more by Presbyterians, Reformed Church, Covenant Church, and they believe that baptism replaces circumcision in the Old Testament. So you had Old Testament circumcision, which made you part of the nation of Israel. The New Testament baptism is the replacement of that, makes you part of God's people, the church. And again, they would baptize a child in order to do that. And of course, then there's us. We believe in the symbolic view. We believe that the water does not wash away your sin, but the water declares what's been done to you. That the blood of Jesus washed away your sin, and because it washed away your sin, you're declaring to other people what God has done for you. As you look at the symbols, there are two significant symbols that are expressed. One is the death burial and resurrection of Jesus. This is why I believe, and as you got the chance to see it last week, it's so fascinating to watch a person standing there and die go under the water just like jesus in the grave come out to new life it symbolizes the death burial and resurrection of jesus it also symbolizes our new life in christ that we died to our sins and now we have life in jesus let me show you some significant passages i want to show you the this one is from uh eugene peterson's translation or translation of the bible called the message i love the creativity of the way he says this he says so what do we do keep on sinning so god's grace can keep on forgiving i should hope not people are saying sin a lot sin a lot because we want to prove god is full of grace and he says that's not what this is about he says if we've left the country where sin is sovereign how can we still live in our old house there or did you, didn't you realize that we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened at baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into a new country of grace, a new life in a new land. 
That's what baptism into life of Jesus means. When we were lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. And when we're raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. I want you to see this verse as well from 2 Corinthians 5.17 when it talks about this symbol and what it, what it means in our own life. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. By being baptized, we're declaring something new has happened in us. Something great has happened in us. I want to go through the three questions that we ask people when they're baptized. You know, we, when we baptize a number of people, we say it so often that after a while you can just kind of, you hear them, but you're not really hearing them. What are we asking people when they're baptized? The first is a, just a profession of faith. We say something like this. Have you come to the place in your spiritual journey that you've trusted in Christ as your forgiver and leader? This person is saying, I'm a Christ follower. They're declaring their faith. That's what baptism is about. And so we ask them that question. We expect that they'll say yes. The second is kind of a statement of understanding. Do you understand that being baptized doesn't make you a Christian? Without saying, you don't believe in the sacramental or covenantal view, right? You believe in the symbolic view of baptism. We're saying to them, hey, do you understand? This is a symbol, a beautiful picture of what happened to Jesus and what has happened to you. And then finally we ask them for a declaration of intent. Is it your desire and intention to live a lifestyle based on the Bible that pleases God? We're asking people, not just do you want to be baptized and let everybody know you're a Christian, but that the impact of being a Christian is going to be happening all over you. Now, does that mean we're going to be perfect? No. If we were about perfection, we'd have to do a baptism every week, right? It's not about perfection, but it's about intent. It's about, I intend to choose to follow Jesus the way Jesus says I should follow him. That's huge. It's important. Saw a video this past week that I want to play for you. Another church is doing baptisms, and they were describing what baptism is all about. And as I listened to it, as I watched it, I just thought, oh my word, I've never really thought of baptism this way. It's, it's a beautiful reminder. baptized at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his time on earth he tells his followers that every believer should have an experience like that in their journey now I was baptized when I was eight years old but my journey hasn't always lived up to that moment I've wandered I've doubted sometimes I've just rebelled against God so it begs the question what was my baptism for was it inauthentic was it a, a poor attempt at an empty ritual or a rite of passage that didn't stick? What's the point of a moment like that if our journey will still have its struggles? I mean, what is baptism, and why does it matter so much to Jesus? It turns out, as is often the case with Jesus, that there's actually a story behind the story. And the story behind the story in Jesus' baptism is the Exodus. 
When the Hebrew people were in Egypt, they weren't really a people at all. They were just a bunch of poor, extended family living in somebody else's country where they were property. Every day they went to work and they were reminded that they had no identity, no rights, no freedom by the lashes that hit their backs when they couldn't make enough bricks to keep up with the thriving economy of Egypt. Can you imagine the feeling of the lashes on your back when you couldn't keep up with the demands of your taskmasters? I mean, how about you? Have you ever come home from a day of work and felt like your identity was nothing more than a cog in a machine? Maybe you feel like even the people who are closest to you in life would rather use you than know you. What happens to our identity when the loudest voices are the ones that beat us down? So God looks down and he sees the Hebrew people and he sees that they know themselves as slaves and workhorses, but they don't know themselves as children of God and he decides to do something about it. So he sends Moses into Pharaoh's courts. Moses says, let the people go. Pharaoh says no and God sends devastating plagues on the nation of Egypt. Eventually, Pharaoh relents, and for the first time in generations, the Israelite people are free. They walk out of Egypt to become their own people. They come up against the waters of the Red Sea, and at that point, Pharaoh changes his mind, and he sends his armies to get them. And what do you do when you think that God has saved you, and then you're not so sure? What do you do when doubt and struggle enter in? Maybe you don't do anything. Maybe God comes through. God sends Moses to lead. He puts his hands outstretched over the waters of the Red Sea, and the waters literally part as the people of Israel walk through on dry ground. Now, Pharaoh's armies think they can get to them, so they pursue them, except as they enter the Red Sea, the waters come back in and swallow them up. And all of a sudden, you're Israel. You've been saved twice already. You're standing on dry ground. You've come up out of the water. reading though and after God brings Israel out of the water you sort of wonder if he bet on the wrong horse because they still have struggles on their journey they still have problems along the way in fact there are moments when you flat out wonder if they lost their identity again after their Red Sea moment it's like they keep listening to these voices that whisper to them or shout to them and say you're not who you think you are but maybe that's the point God didn't bring them through the water because they would be perfect he brought them through the water because he knew that they would wander and that they would need an anchor in their story, a tether to their identity when lies get shouted at them about who they are in their future. Now, baptism for Jesus doesn't just look back to the Exodus. It looks forward to, because our deliverance didn't happen at the Red Sea with Moses' arms extended. It happened at the cross with Jesus' arms outstretched. We weren't rescued from Pharaoh's army. And we've been saved from the slavery of sin. It's not the waters that cleanse us, but they symbolize a life that has gone to the cross with Jesus and come up from the grave with a new identity of freedom in Him. Because we're going to have moments when we're tempted to believe that we're the old us instead of the new us. You're going to have voices screaming at you that say that you're not holy, you don't belong to Him, you aren't loved. But you and I are given a moment to step into the waters to feel grace wash over us from head to toe. Jesus says be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Your sins may seem to pursue you, but they've been drowned in the blood of Christ shed at the cross. We've been renamed, reclaimed by Jesus. We've been adopted as sons and daughters. We are children of God. 
Engage in a defiant act of protest against the voices of shame that chase you and tell the world that you belong to Him. that later today and I hope that you'll watch it again and again because I tell you what every time I've watched it it's just given me a clearer idea of why in the world I got baptized in the first place I love that he said it's an anchor in our story a tether to our true identity we need that anchor that reminder I remember when that happened I remember who I am a moment to step into the water and feel grace wash over us from head to toe a defiant act of protest against the voices of shame that chase after us. It's a chance to tell the world that you belong to Him. So I want you to see their faces one more time. Listen to what he said again. It's like you keep listening to these voices that whisper to them or shout to them and say, you're not who you think you are. But maybe that's the point. God didn't bring them through the water because they would be perfect. He brought them through the water because he knew they would wander, that they would need an anchor to their story, a tether to their identity, when lies get shouted at them about who they are and about their future. Because we're going to have moments when we're tempted to believe that we are the old us instead of the new us. You're going to have voices screaming at you, saying that you're not holy, you don't belong to him, you aren't loved. And you and I are given a moment a moment to step into the waters to feel grace wash over us from head to toe. Your sins may seem to pursue you, but they've been drowned in the blood of Christ shed on the cross. We've been renamed. We've been reclaimed by Jesus. We've been adopted as sons and daughters. We are children of God. Please engage in a defiant act of protest against the voices of shame that chase you and tell you that the and tell the world that you belong to him it's baptism there's your watermark when you're held up to the light other people should see it let's pray father god thank you for the decision on so many part this past summer and these past years to to declare their faith with boldness I pray that they will not forget that moment, that moment that they had that experience of grace washing over them, that that anchor will serve as a reminder that they belong to you of their true identity. Allow that to remain in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I told you I'd need uh, you to put your name on that card. On the back side, there's a box, and it has two things. It says, my question and my prayer request. Maybe you have a prayer request you want to write down today. We'd be glad to pray with you. We believe in the power of prayer. But the other is your question, and that is this. What remaining question do you have about baptism? What, what still sticks there for you? What are you still wondering? Uh, if you'd like, you want to put, I'd love to have a personal conversation about it. Let me know. I'd like to go ahead and talk with you about it. Or maybe it's something that we can address in the future. But what still sticks in your head about baptism? We'll hold off collecting the offering for a moment until you have a chance to finish writing those. 
So as that's happening, I want to just say again, your folder is full of stuff that you need to know this week and the next few weeks. I beg you to please become part of the group that is doing your best to remind people that church happens here. Okay, And I know some of you are going, I can't believe he's saying it again. No, I'm not kidding. I'm still having people ask me, when are we moving to the warehouse for church? It's not happening. We're staying here for church. All the other stuff happens outside of here, happens at the warehouse. And you'll notice we actually put the addresses to both in your folder today so you're able to find uh, both locations pretty easily. Okay, Our servers are going to come right now. They're going to collect the offering, place your card in there. And go ahead and place your offering in as well. This afternoon from 4 to 6, if you haven't been there yet, you get to come on over and check out the warehouse as well as the the living room that is attached to it, the meeting room that we're going to be using. I can't begin to tell you all the hours of work that have gone into bringing this place up to a place that is usable and amazing. And if I start naming names, I'd probably just have to point at everyone in the room. So... Thanks so much to everyone for all the work that's been done. I think when you go over there and see uh, the facility that we're going to be able to be using for student ministry, for journey groups, for team meetings, uh, for appointments, you're you're going to be blown away. It's really a great location. It's going to provide us a home base. Come on over from 4 to 6. Check it out. See that space. We want you to be familiar with where it is before you have to be there for the first time for, for a meeting or to drop off your kids. We'll have signs out there. Easiest way to find this, turn at Feedloft on northern Illinois. Drive all the way down. As you're almost to the end, you'll see a green warehouse on the right-hand side. If you go a little too far, you're going to be getting a, a canister of Rhino gas. You don't want to go quite that far. Just a little bit short of that. And come and enjoy that time. All the dates of when everything is starting up, when junior high is starting up, which is this Wednesday, when high school is starting up over at the warehouse, which is September 11th, all those dates are on your folder. Make sure you check those out. The other thing that was in there today, today's the day that we begin to talk about fall semester of journey groups. We have some fantastic opportunities for growth this coming fall. And I'm just going to point out, Two things on the folder. The first, if you open it up, the two top groups, we've never offered these style of groups before. One is an online group. Some of you just struggle with being able to get to a place, a space. You'll be able to go ahead and do a group online, a little virtual group. The other group is very non-virtual. It's a running group. So (laughs) that one's going to be a little bit harder work. But you've got those two at the top. The back side of the folder lists all the the one-time opportunities or short-term opportunities. Because again, for some of you, signing up to do something for 10 weeks is tough, but a couple of times is a little bit more workable. So this is available. Go ahead and read it over. Start to get an idea of the group that you plan to participate in. And uh, you can start doing your registration online from the church website. So go on. Click it, check it off, and get ready to get started with your group. God, as we head out into this week, uh, there are so many adventures that you have in store for us. We're going to be held up to the light every once in a while, God. People are going to wonder who we really are, and I pray that our watermark will shine through. I pray that as people see us, uh, they'll understand, not because we're obnoxious about it, not because we're rude, but because we're just following you that they'll understand that we are devoted Christ followers and we plan to live that way. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
have a great morning.